Welcome to the Christian Life Austin podcast. Visit clcaustin.com for the latest news, register for an upcoming event, or support the Christian Life ministry through our online giving portal. We trust that you'll enjoy today's message. Thank you once again for listening. talk to you today on, on, on these three words. Everybody say, God is able. I want to talk about that today. God is able. He's able. Everybody say, He's able to do exceeding abundantly. Above that, we're able to ask or think. Amen. Has anybody ever read any embellished stories from Chuck Norris? The Chuck Norris stories. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Chuck Norris. When Alexander Graham Bell invented the telephone, it, it is said that he had three missed calls from Chuck Norris. <laughs> Anybody know who Chuck Norris is? Yes. He's Walker, Texas Ranger. There used to be a street named Chuck Norris, but it had to be changed because nobody crosses Chuck Norris. Now, that's cute. I don't care who you are. Chuck Norris has a grizzly bear carpet in his bedroom. The bear isn't dead. He's just afraid to move. (laughs) Chuck Norris is so intimidating, even his reflection won't look back at him. All of these seriously exaggerations are for the man Chuck Norris, but you cannot, hear me now, exaggerate the greatness of God. Can't do it. Can't do it. His greatness and his riches are unsearchable. You believe that? He called light out of darkness. He calls cosmos out of chaos. And he called order out of confusion because God is great. And everybody say, God is able. So we're going to talk about that God today. We're going to talk about that faith today. But I want you to repeat after me, Pastor. Preach the word to me today. Let it touch my heart. Let it change my heart. Preach the word to me today. Let it touch my mind. Let it change my mind. Preach the word to me today. Let me walk out of here a different person than what I was when I came in. God bless you. Clap to the Lord and you may be seated. Amen. Amen. In the book of Joshua chapter number 10... I want to share with you a story that really, really develops this God is able business. Say it with me one more time. God is able. In Joshua chapter 10, verse 24 through 26, the Bible said it came to pass when they brought out the kings unto Joshua, that Joshua called for all the men of Israel and the captains of war. And he said, come near and put your feet on the necks of these kings. And they came near. And put their feet upon the necks. And Joshua said unto them, Fear not, nor be dismayed. Be strong and of good courage. For this is what the Lord will do to all your enemies against whom you shall fight. Verse 26, And after Joshua smote them, he slew them, and he hanged them on five trees. In other words, folks, he killed them, graveyard, dead. He smote them, he slew them, he hanged them. So he got rid of those five kings. 
Everybody say they wasn't serfs. Everybody say they wasn't servants. Everybody say they wasn't princes. Everybody say they were kings. He killed five kings. He killed five kings in one day. When one reads this kind of passage, it really makes you believe and understand how much God is really able. God is able to cause us to overcome. He's able to conquer. He's able to empower us to do the impossible. He can't be out-exaggerated. And before we can have an ultimate victory in our lives, we as saints of God and people of the cross and believers of the word have to, have to overcome the same five kings that Joshua had to overcome. The Bible said there were five kings. I repeat it, five kings that had stopped God's people from progressing and possessing the promised land. And Joshua said, we have finally got these kings cornered. They're hiding in this cave. And he said, number one, I want you to go drag them out of the darkness into the light. They're hiding, they're lurking in the darkness, keeping God's people in defeat. And I want you to drag them out of the cave. It's pretty bloody. And I want you to subdue them. Then he said something strange. He said, I want you to put your foot on the neck of these five kings and slay them and destroy them and then hang them on a tree. And I was thinking about the five kings and how he said that. He said this, he said, be strong and be very courageous and don't be afraid. Then there's one word that he said. He said, do not be dismayed. That word dismayed simply means to fall apart. He said, don't let what you are dealing with, don't let what is coming against you, don't let the opposition in your life cause you to fall apart. And I put it on the board, put it on your refrigerator. He said, fear is a dark room where you develop your negatives. I wanted to put that on the screen for you today. Fear is a dark room where you develop your negatives. He said, don't fall apart, don't freak out, just because you're facing an impossibility. Because you're facing a great opposition, do not be afraid. Your God is able, but you've got to get victory over these five kings, okay? And said, I want you to put your foot on their neck. Well, what do these five kings represent to you and me? They represent, I believe, our five senses. Our five senses. And I believe the five senses are truly faith killers in our life. Because I believe if we're going to win the battle of faith, if we're going to see our families blessed, if we're going to see our lives blessed, if we're going to see favor and the blessing of God on our lives, we're going to have to use things called killing kings in our life. And if we're going to build a great church, we've got to overcome these five kings, these five senses. They lurk in darkness and these five kings that are our five senses and what you see and what you hear and what you taste and what you smell... And what you feel are great evangelists. They're great kingly evangelists for unbelief. And if you allow them, the five senses will talk you out of what God's word promises to you. Because the word of the Lord is the final say in our life. Can you say amen? And so what we are going to learn is to put our foot on the five necks of our five senses and subdue them and say, you're not going to steal from me what I know God's word has promised to me. Amen. So I want us to go through these five things here today, and I'm going to go through them as quickly as I possibly can. But I want us to understand that we're going to win this fight. We're going to win this fight with faith and not with our senses. 
We're going to win this fight with faith. Everybody say, by faith, you are saved through grace. Amen? The grace of God is in our lives. So I thought about the first sense that I want to deal with today, and I want to call it the sense of smell. Sense of smell. In Daniel, the third chapter, the Bible talks about three Hebrew boys that were in a fiery furnace one day. They heated the fire seven times hotter, and they brought them out of the fiery furnace after the king looked in and saw a fourth man walking among them. And they realized that they were not burned. And not only were they not burned, there was not a smell of smoke on any of them. They didn't even smell like they'd been in a fire. In other words, they had went through a circumstance where they should have gotten burned and at least smelled like smoke. But they came through that fiery situation without even the smell of smoke on their garment. The first thing you have to do for victory is to get your foot on the sense of smell. God doesn't want you to go through fiery trials and smell like them for the rest of your life. I've met people who went through fiery trials and every time you get around them, that's all they talk about. That's all they complain about. That's all they whine about. Hear me. Maybe you got burned in a relationship one time or you got burned in a business deal or you got burned in church because somebody was a charlatan slash interloper and they hurt you and now you judge everybody that same way and you look at everybody with the same jaundiced eye. If you're going to have victory in your life, You've got to have faith over your sense of smell. You've got to understand that life is going to bring you some difficulties, but you don't have to smell like it the rest of your life. I'm in the ministry. I'm in the ministry, and I read about the ministry in the Old Testament. And I I believe that the reason priests burned incense was because they were in ministry, and they had to burn incense in order to be able to stand the smell of themselves when they went home. Dealing with problems, dealing with lambs and dealing with rams and dealing with with bullocks back in that day and the smell of blood and the gory smell of death on them, they burned incense. And I I, I know sometime in dealing with problems and dealing with, pardon me for saying it, dealing with people with bucket mouths and super spiritual people and mystic people and dealing with issues that we deal with. And I don't want to take that home to my kids I I, I don't want to take home something that smells rank. And my kids say, Daddy, what happened at the office? What happened at church today? So I tell you what I do. I burn some incense. You know what incense represents? It represents praise. There are some things that you have to do if you're walking through a fiery furnace. Hallelujah. There's some things you have to do when you come out of that furnace. You're going to have to lift your hands up and say, Bless the Lord, O my soul. And all that's within me. Because when you offer incense to God, the power of praise is greater than the difficulty you ever went through. And God will give you a victory in your life. Say amen to that. That's why we ought to be worshipers. If any man be a worshiper, John 9, 31, the Bible said, the Lord heareth him. He hears worshipers. Somebody clap your hands and say, I want to be a worshiper. I want to be a worshiper. Jesus goes to Bethany in John chapter 11 and he walks up to a grave of a man that's been dead four days. Corruption has set in. And he walks up to him. He said, take me to the place where you laid him. And he said, okay, roll away the stone. And they said, Lord, hold on just a minute. By now he stinks. He's a, he's a stinking man by now because it's past three days that corruption has set in. And the Lord didn't say it twice, but he said, take away the stone. Get the stone out of the way. Because here's what God is saying through Jesus Christ. Here's what he's saying. Stink won't never stop me. 
Stink won't ever stop me. Don't let stink stop you. Don't let what you've gone through stop where you're going in God. Amen. And I've always believed, and I used to preach this as a young preacher. I said, if Jesus could raise a man from the dead, he can raise anything. That's real deep. But I still believe that. If Jesus can bring a man back from the grave after four days, he can raise anything in your life. He can heal your marriage. He can heal your kids. He can give you a job. He can bless you with finances. He can do what you need him to do because God is able. And you can't out-exaggerate that God. Clap your hands and rejoice to that. I heard about a, I heard about some kids. Heard about some grandkids that had a grandpa that had this big old handlebar mustache, and one day while he was asleep, they went in and put some Limburger cheese on top of his mustache. And so when he woke up, he said, Wow, this room stinks. He goes to the kitchen and he says, Man, this kitchen stinks. He goes outside, he said, The whole world stinks. And that's what happens when you put when you put Limburger cheese on top of your mustache. That's what happens. Let me tell you something. If you're not careful, you can go through so much stuff in your life. You get burned by so many people. You go through so many situations that you start going around with that old stinky attitude and old stinky words and a negative spirit. And the word of the Lord to you today is just because you've gone through the fire, you don't have to smell like it. Burn some incense of praise and thank God that you still have a future. Can you do that right now in the name of the Lord? You got to put your foot on the sense of smell in your life. Let me preach to you. Second thing we got to put our foot on is the sense of feel. Everybody say feel. Touch and feel. You know, one of the five senses is the sense of touch. And if you don't watch it, you'll begin to get into your feelings more than your faith. And the real enemy of faith is the sense of feelings and touch. There's a story in the book of Genesis about a man named Isaac who was the son of Abram and the father of Jacob and Esau. And he was an older man now, and he was blind, and he was, was about to go, and it was birthright time. Everybody with me? And Jacob had taken Esau's birthright because he traded for a bowl of pottage, a total birthright. Now Jacob had to get that past his father because his father did not know that. So mama said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to put some goat hair on your arm. We're going to put some goat hair on your neck. And we're going to send you into the father. And you're going to tell him that you're Esau. And so when he walks in, of course, the first thing that Isaac does, the old blind patriarch does, he reaches up and he touches him. When, 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 when Jacob says, Father, give me my birthright. I'm ready for the birthright. Who are you? I am Esau. And he reaches up and he touches him because he knows that Esau was a hairy boy. And he touches his neck and touches his arms. And he said, you feel like Esau, but you have the voice of Jacob. But because he went with his feelings... Instead of what truth was, he lost the privilege of blessing his other son the way he should have blessed his other son. My point is simply this. If we go by what we feel instead of what we hear by God's word, we'll miss the victory of blessing every time. We have to get to a place where we get beyond our feelings. You see, your fickle feelings will mess you up. Sometimes you can get your feelings hurt with the smallest problem. Jesus said, it's the little foxes that spoil the tender branches. And he also said, offenses will come. Do you hear that? Offenses will come. Woe to those that bring those offenses. Let me tell you something. Everybody in this house has got the ability to get offended, even at me preaching the gospel today. But you're not going to do that, are you? Amen. (laughs) Say amen to that. 
I need a real big amen to that because I'm going to preach in just a minute. I'm fixed to preach. But you can get offended. Sometimes in ministry, sometimes in marriage, you get your feelings hurt. But you must learn to subdue your feelings. You've got to put your neck on your feelings and say, I will not let my feelings stop me from what God has for me. Small problems like, you know, I didn't get the solo in the choir. So mm, I'm not going to quit choir because I didn't get the solo. Or I didn't get the job that pastor wanted to give out and he, he, he hired somebody else. But I'm not going to get hurt about it. You know why? Because I'm not working for the pastor. And I'm not working for the church. I'm working for Jesus Christ. I'm doing this thing for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm, I'm doing this because God wants me to do this. I'm not going to let my feelings be hurt in this situation. You know, you know, in Noah's Ark, every one of those animals had a predator. You ever thought about that? Every one of those animals had a predator. But you never read where there was a fight that broke out in that ark. You know why? Because all those animals understood there's only one boat in this storm. We own it. <laughs> Amen. Let me tell you something. There's a church in this world and you're in it. And you don't let your feelings get hurt. Come on. Don't let your feelings get hurt. I had, a, I had an old boy say one time, said, if you, get, if, if you get under something, get a ladder and get over it. Just get over it. Just come on, get over it. It's no, there's, no, there's no time to get your feelings hurt in this hour. Come on. It's time to move forward. It's time to go f- further. And you know, what? You, know what the last, you know what the last command that God gave Noah was on that ark? You know what he said? He said, keep the woodpeckers above the water line. Because every church, every ministry, every boat, every business has a few, a couple of woodpeckers. If they get below the water line and start pecking away, they'll open a hole and seek the whole thing. Here's what I want to tell you. Don't allow... Don't allow your feelings to stop you from doing what God has called you to do. And if you've had your feelings hurt, what they said, he said, she said, my feelings are hurt. Just don't know. You have to put your foot on the neck of your feelings and say, you know what? I'm going to go on anyhow. If you don't, you're going to live a life of defeat. You can't go by what you feel. You've got to know what you know. That's how you get along in life. Well, it preached in first service. Here we go. The third king we've got to put our foot on is not only smell and feel, we've got to put our foot on what we see. Let me say what we see. What are you seeing? The book, good book says we walk by faith and we don't walk by sight. Second Kings chapter 6, there's a story about an old prophet in the Old Testament. And the Bible said he was surrounded. He's in a city. He was surrounded by a bunch of Assyrians. And he had this servant with him. He said, son, go out there and tell me what you see. And the servant went out and he looked out there and he said, Sir, I got some bad news for you. We're surrounded by a whole army of Assyrians. Now you got to get this. This is so powerful. You got to get this. The prophet never prayed for God to bring victory. The prophet never prayed for God to bring relief. All he prayed for was God to change the eyesight of the servant. Because some people know even when we're surrounded by a great number of people that are against us, even when we know that, we don't have to ever fear or or fall short of our belief in God because we know that greater is He that is in us than He that's in the world. And there's so many times because we take what we see to in account more than what we know in our life, 
We say we're surrounded by all these things. And we may be surrounded. But he said, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. When he sent him out the second time, he said, oh, my Lord, the chariots of the Lord and the horsemen thereof. And he came back and he said, sir, we got a bunch of angels out there. And he said, yeah, they that are with us are greater than they that are with them. It's not, Lord, send some help. It's, Lord, open my eyes and let me see what you're doing out there because I believe you are able to do exceeding abundantly above that. We're able to ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Amen. See, the problem is when we look with our natural eye, we see too low. We look on the ground level. We look on the ground level. My daddy told me one time, if I didn't quit looking down, I was going to run into something with my head and knock me out. I said, Daddy, I'm looking for a quarter or a nickel. He said, Son, look up and you'll see dollars. Amen. 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 And so help me, one day I was walking and I ran into a door. So help me, God, I had my head down. But we look on this level. When he went out the second time, he looked on this level because he realized my help cometh from the Lord who is my strength. Sometimes we get to seeing things that's going on around us and I'm gonna preach right now about the world if, if that's all right with you. There's a lot of stuff going on in our world right now. There's a lot of things you see on TV and there's, there's a story every day and you're saying, my God, it's getting worse. I'm seeing it on TV, it's gotta be true. I've seen it on computer, it's got to be true, and it probably is true. And I'm telling you, the world is in a tough situation. But you hear me, the worse the world is, the greater the church can shine. Now you listen to me, you're in a safe place, I'll say it again. When Israel was in Egypt, they were in Goshen. They wasn't with the plagues. They wasn't with all the things that were happening. God had them spared even in Egypt. And I'm here to tell you, you're in the church of the living God and you're not seeing what everybody else is seeing and you're not knowing what everybody else is knowing. You're walking in faith because you're not walking by sight. Somebody help me preach right now. I feel the Holy Ghost. Get your eyes up. Get your eyes up. Get them on Jesus. He's the author and finisher of your faith, not your sight, your faith. Your faith, your faith, your faith. God's word is just as real as a bad report. Understand it. I heard about this rooster had a bunch of these chickens and they was laying eggs. They was having a pretty good crop. Farmer was happy. One day, two little boys next door got a little white football for Christmas. And they kicked that white football into that, into that chicken pen. That rooster saw that white football. He called them hens out. And he said, girls, we're going to have to pick it up around here. Look what they're doing next door. And so many, so many times, oh, that's, that's a weak joke, but so many times, so many times we let the world situation and what we see on CNN and what we see on MSNBC and what we see on Fox and ABC and NBC and CBS and all that other stuff. What we see gets on our goat. We say, oh my God, how are we going to ever stand? You're looking through the wrong eyes. You're looking on ground level. Look up. 
Look up, look to Jesus, the author and finisher of your faith. I promise you, he said he would never leave us. Oh, let me preach right now. He'd never forsake us. He'd go with us always, even to the end of the world. And he's gonna be right beside us. And when everything shuts down, he's gonna be there. I even found a woman named Ruth who didn't even know about a God. But when the night came, she was at the feet of Boaz, the kinsman redeemer. You hear me? When the night comes on this world, we're gonna be at the feet of the redeemer. God's gonna be with us. He's gonna help us. He's gonna give us strength because it's not this sight. It's walking by faith. Oh, hallelujah. 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 Don't let what you smell and feel and see put your foot on that king's neck and take him out. Everybody say, God is faithful. Say, he's faithful. Now listen, there's another king we've got to get your foot on. It's what we hear. What we hear. That's a big one. What you hear. Jesus said, take heed what you hear. He that hath an ear, he told the churches in Revelation, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. In fact, I believe the church in the last day has been built on an ear. We've got to understand what we're listening for in this hour. We've got to hold our ear up to what God is saying to us. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you allow to cross the bridge of your ear into your spirit because it can contaminate your faith. And I was thinking about how the scripture talks about that, that we have, have to control our hearing. We have to get victory over what we hear. And my, my mind went to a story in 1 Kings chapter 18. Proof text me when you get home, not now. There's a man named Elijah. He challenged 400 prophets of Baal and 450 of the grove to a shootout on who could bring the fire down from heaven. 42 months it had not rained. There was a great drought in the land. And he had told King Ahab, Ahab, it's going to be dry until I say it's not going to be dry. And when I say it's going to rain, it's going to rain. I love men that challenge the world like that because they hear the voice of God. And when that fire fell after after Elijah prayed 63-word prayer, when that fire fell, it it licked up the whole altar, licked up all the water. Licked up everything there and destroyed everything of, 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 of doubt and fear that the people of God had. And they started saying, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. And then Elijah did something. He went and prayed another prayer on another part of the mountain. And he said, get, get your chariot ready because I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. It hadn't rained. Are you with me? It hadn't rained for 42 months. And he went and prayed, put his head between his legs, and he prayed, and he sent his servant once, twice, three, four, five, six. Six times he came back and said, there's nothing there, sir. He said, go one more time. And he went the seventh time. That's why I slept seven extra minutes this morning. <laughs> and he went one more time. And he came back and he said, sir, I see the cloud the size of a man's hand. Hallelujah. And he said, let's go. The rains are coming. The rains are coming. Now, here's what I want to tell you. Here's what I want to tell you. There's a lot of stuff going on in our world today like the swine flu and like Ebola and like ISIS and all the stuff that we hear going on and it'll put fear in your heart and fear and faith can't coexist. Let me say it again. Fear and faith can't coexist. And there's a lot of stuff that we're hearing and, it's, and if it doesn't bleed, it doesn't lead on our news stations and you know that and we hear stuff and we're talking about stuff in the middle of all this but the prophet said in the middle of all this and people seeing drought and people seeing nothing and everybody's saying it's falling apart and everybody's saying the world's going to hell in a handbasket. Elijah says, I hear the sound. 
of abundance of rain. But pastor, my family, I said, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. But pastor, my children, I hear the sound of abundance of rain. But pastor, my job, I hear the sound of abundance of rain. But pastor, this whole world, I hear the sound of abundance of rain. Let me tell you something. There was three, there was three avenues. There was three, three, three areas where God and Satan met. Number one, in the heavenlies, guess who won? God won, kicked the devil out. Number two, in hell, God won. He walked out of, the, of hell with death, death, hell, and the, and the grave keys. He took the keys of death, hell, and the grave. And number three, on this earth, you hear me. If God won in heaven and the Lord won in hell, he's going to win on this earth. Don't you ever doubt it. Don't you listen to what the world is saying, that it's going to hell in a handbasket. You get a hold of the faith in God and say, I'm listening to the sound of what the Spirit is saying to the church. Are you with me right now? Are you understanding what I'm preaching right now? I hear it. I hear it. David, a king, was in a battle one day and he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? He said, David, I'll tell you what I want you to do. I want you to get over there by those trees. And when I send the sound of wind in that mulberry tree and you hear the sound in the top of that tree, I want you to go to battle because you're going to win. And David went over there and got under that tree and the sound of a rushing wind and a mulberry tree started moving. And David said, let's go have victory. There's two things I want to tell you that I'm listening for right now. I'm listening for a sound of rain and I'm listening for a rushing wind. I'm listening for a spirit of God to baptize this earth. Do you realize that last Sunday night, folks, last Sunday night, we had a seminar here on the Holy Spirit. Are you ready for this? About 175 just came to hear teaching and 25 received the baptism of the Spirit last Sunday night right here. You know what I'm saying? I'm saying I'm not listening to how bad it is. I'm not seeing how bad it is. I'm listening to a sound that says, hey, get ready, get ready, get ready. Because I've read the back of the book and I know you've heard this before. And I discover we win. We really do win. We're not going under. We're going over. We're not going down under. We're going through it. God's going to be with us. And when we come out on the other side, we're going to be children of faith and not feeling and not sight and not smell. Let me finish. But before I finish, let me go one more. Let me go one more. Let me kill one more king here today. The king of taste. Let me knock the king of taste in the head here a little bit. Second Kings chapter four. I thought in the Old Testament there was a Second Kings chapter four. You can read this story, proof text it. There was a bunch of prophets and they got hungry, so they went out and gathered some gourds and brought them in and made a pot of stew. And the gourds that they had gathered were wild gourds and they were poisonous. And so when they put them in the stew, it poisoned the pot, the Bible said. And so, wow. So they go to the prophet. They say, prophet, what should we do? And the prophet said, go get some meal. Go get some stuff that makes bread. Go get the word of God. And put it in that pot of poison. God never took anything out. The prophet never took anything out of the pot to sterilize it. He put something in to equalize it. Because God is not interested in all that you've been through. He's just interested in getting in your life. Because if he can get in your life, he can change your life. Amen. 
He said, go get the word. Go get a, some meal and put it in that pot. And when they drew it out, it was not poisonous. Now, here's what I want to tell you. Some people say, Pastor, my marriage is it's just poisoned. Put some meal in the stew. Pastor, my children are not acting right. Put some meal in the stew. Start praying back to God what God has promised you. See, you've got to understand this and put this on your refrigerator. Don't ever forget this. Faith places no limitations on God and God places no limitations on faith. Say it with me. Faith places no limitations on God and God places no limitations on faith. Stand right where you are today. Don't stand up now, but stand right where you are when you stand a little while and say, you know what? I'm going to put my foot, I'm going to put my foot on what I hear. I'm going to put my foot on what I say. I'm going to put my foot on how I feel. I'm going to put my foot on what I smell. I'm going to put my foot on all this stuff. I am not going to walk out of here and let my senses take me down when faith can take me over. I'm going to put my foot on the king in my life. Jesus was on the cross. I come to a call. Jesus was on the cross one day. And those people that had put him on that cross hated him. They despised him. And when he said these words, I thirst, the Bible said they came and took some vinegar and gall and put it in a sponge and put it up to his mouth so he could drink it. They put something bitter in his, up to his mouth so he could drink the bitterness. But watch this. He refused to take it. He said, no, no. He turned his head away. No. Even though those people had put him on the cross, he refused to get bitterness inside of him at the people that were taking his life. Let me say it again. He turned his head because he would not let the gall and the vinegar go into him and, and make him bitter against the people that were throwing him under the bus. Listen to me. You've got to get your sense of taste under your foot because a lot of bad stuff can happen to people in your life, but you don't have to get bitter over it. You can get better through it. Amen? Amen? There's no sense. There is absolutely no sense and you saying, you know what? I can't live for God because of so and so and so and so. When you say that, you're saying they're closer to God than you because they're between you and God. Get in front of that. I had an old boy one time in, in our church in Dallas years ago, and I didn't tell this in the first service, but it was funny. He came to church one day and he said, Pastor, I'm going to leave church. I said, why? He said, because there's a woman in this church. I just can't, I just can't stand her. He was honest. And I said, well, why can't you stand her? He said, because she just got a big mouth and I can't stand her. And I said, well, why she bother you? He said, well, every time I come and sit down, she's right in front of me. And I can't worship, I can't do anything. And he said, what do you suggest I do? What church do you suggest I go to? I said, a new church. I'm gonna give you a new church. He said, what's that? I said, come to the front row. He said, I never thought about that. I said, put physically behind you what you need spiritually behind you and go forward and quit letting somebody get between you and your God. Listen to me, folks. I'm preaching to you today. Your senses can kill your faith. 
You got to put your foot on the neck of those senses and say, you're not going to take me out. I'm not going to smell like smoke when I come out of a furnace. I'm not going to do that. Amen. I'm not, I, I'm not going to just go by feelings. I, my feelings can get hurt. I'm not going to go by feelings. I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go by how I smell and how I feel and what I see. And I'm not going to go by what I touch. And I'm not going to go by how I taste. Because a lot of things that I taste can bring bitterness to my soul. I'm not going to bring it to my soul. And so today, we've got to kill kings. We've got to kill kings. Everybody say, Lord, my sight. Let me see you. Everybody say, Lord, my taste. Let me taste the word of the Lord. Everybody say, Lord, my ears. Let me hear what you have to say. Everybody say, Lord, my hands. Let me feel and touch the things that are of God. And say, Lord, my smell. Allow me to never have the smell of defeat in my life. Let me have a smell of praise in my soul. Amen. Let me finish with a beautiful story. A beautiful story. A story of David and Goliath. Anybody ever heard that one? What a beautiful story. What a beautiful tale. I heard a lot of sermons on this story. I really have. I heard a guy preach one time and I said, wow, I was a young preacher, and he just wowed me with it. He said, you know why David took five stones of the battle, not just one? Because Goliath had four brothers. And I said, oh, God, I can't wait. Give me a pulpit. I need to preach that. Then I got one better one day. No boy had him an organist up there, and he was preaching. He said, you know why he got five stones? Because it represented J-E-S-U-S. And he had that organ. I don't do that, but he did it. And I was on my feet and I thought it was awesome. But you know, you know, you know why I think David took five stones? I'm going to give you a new little slant that you think about. You don't have to agree with me. I think David was just like us. I think David had fears just like we have fears. And I think it was because he was afraid he might miss. You ever thought about that? Because I, I guarantee you out there and taking care of those sheeps, he didn't hit every target. I guarantee he missed some, and those sheep said, Bah, shot. That was a joke, too, but it wasn't a good one. But you don't have to have a lot of faith. You just have to have a little faith. And the Lord spoke to me one time and said this, Son, always remember, I will never send you into a battle against a great giant problem that I will just give you enough to defeat him with I will give you more than enough to defeat him with and that's why I think David picked up four extra stones because he thought you know what if I miss God's got me a backup God's got my back because I've got four more in my pouch and I'm telling you something. Some of you need to understand that God's not going to send you into a situation where you feel like God is just one bullet in my pocket. I'm Barney Fife and I got one bullet. And God, I've missed more than I hit. And God said, no, no, no. I got you some backup right here. Feel right there. Feel those stones in your pocket. I got you some backup. You're not going to go in there with just enough. I'm going to send you in there with more than enough. 
I'm going to give you more than enough. I'm going to give you more than enough. I'm going to give you more than enough. <laughs> I told this story in the first session and I have never told this story. But when I came to this church and it'd be 25 years and Lord, I can't believe y'all still putting up with me. Thank you for allowing me to be here. It breaks my heart, touches my heart to know that you still love us enough to come every Sunday. But I, when I came here, I was pastoring a, a, a very, very successful large church in another place. And, I, and, and, I, and when I came, I, I thought maybe we were going to see this thing just turn, you know. And it was going to be exciting and thrilling. It didn't happen. It just didn't happen. And if you knew me then, you knew I had big old, had big old puffy side of my hair. My hair was puffed. I didn't wear the fro. I just wore the almost fro. And my little nieces used to say I looked like Bozo the Clown. So I quit that. And one day I'm going to shave my head completely when I get brave enough. But I'm not there yet. For all you bald men that have done that, congratulations, you're, you're more courageous than me. But I went to pray one day because I just, I just thought, what if, you know, because everybody has those what if moments. Everybody has those what if moments in their life. And, they, and, and I said, God, have I done the right thing here? It's, have I done what I'm supposed to do? Did I leave that church in a lurch? And have I come here and not going to see success and see a church grow? And I went to a particular place. I can tell you exactly when it was. I can tell you exactly the day it was, the time it was. I can tell you what kind of service we'd had that day. But I went and I knelt and I prayed. And I prayed back prayers that God had promised me. And I said, God, you said you'd go with me. You said that you'd bless my ministry. You said that. You said that you would bless my family. You said that. You said, you said you'd never leave me. And God, I feel pretty lonesome sometimes. I really do. And there wasn't any voice that said, my son, I hear you. Get up, my son. There'll be 5,000 people come to church on Sunday. Didn't happen. But I got up. I prepared like I always prepared to preach the gospel. And I walked into the pulpit and I preached that day. And when church was over, a little old, little precious saint, little, little older woman came up to me and she said, you wrestling a little? And I said, what? She said, you wrestling a little? And I said, wrestling? I didn't want to admit it. Yes, ma'am, I am. She said, my husband and I did too. We did. We, we wrestled. And she looked right at me. She said, if this matters, let me tell you something. You're doing the right thing. I buried that little lady. But that one word that she put in my heart 
a long time ago when I'd been pastor here just a very few months right the right thing it overshadowed all my feelings it overshadowed all that I was hearing all that I saw it overshadowed it all from that moment I have never allowed my feelings to overwhelm my faith and that's where you got to live in this thing called the Godship the faith factor you got to live in faith amen and when you do that I promise you I promise you the voices will get quieter the sights will get greater and the glory will be more abundant you need to walk out of here today and say I hear the sound of rain I hear the rustling of wind in a tree. That's what you need to say. God's blessing my family. Come on. God's blessing our home. God's blessing our life. God's blessing our church. God's blessing everything about us. We're going to be blessed of God. We're going to be blessed of God. We're going to be blessed of God. Come on, say it. You've got to say it. I will be blessed of the Lord. I will be blessed of the Lord. I will say of the Lord, He is my God. In Him will I trust. Some men may trust in horses and Some men may trust in chariots, but I will trust in the name of the Lord. I refuse to let the kings that come out of dark corners of my life overwhelm the faith factor that God has in my life. Would everyone stand to your feet? You're awesome people. And that concludes today's podcast. Thanks again for listening.